0: good morning wisconsin it's wtmj now news opinions wisconsin everything you need to know in the badger state and beyond come give us your thoughts on the old national bank talk and text line at 855-616-1620 old national bank get old here's your host steve scafidi Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thursday show. This week is flying by. Last
1: day, am I right on that? Last day of November. Tomorrow's the first of December, and then you know what comes after that: Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and then it's just back to regular old January. Couple grievances before I got to get these off my chest. One, the only negative about doing the show, the show a show at this time on WTMJ in our Great Avenue studios, which are fantastic by the way. Come and visit us right adjacent to the Third Street Market Hall at the Avenue, is having to watch Kelly and Mark's overly coiffed faces every morning, staring at me in the face on one of these monitors. I'm not a violent person, but I want to smack them right across the face. Oof! Talentless. Why do we need to know everything about them? Why? They have good guest bookers. Anybody could do that show. Why are we putting up with these two? Enough. All right, this is a serious one. So I, I'm reading, as I often do, the stories of the day early in the AM. I get up about 5, 5:30. Today I was up about five. Get to work here about six. And I see the story from the Rockefeller Center tree lighting yesterday, New York City. And I've talked about this issue before, the the protest associated with the, the war in Gaza. Of course, Hamas terrorist organization. Slaughtered innocent Israeli citizens October 7th. Israel, like any country would do, defending themselves, taking it to the terrorists in an attempt to exterminate them because it's the only way to get rid of terrorists. And then we have these correlated protests around the world, including at the tree lighting last night in New York City. And I watched the video and listened to it, the reports, and I, you, you talk about a war on Christmas. This is it. Talking about a war on law enforcement, public safety folks, this is it. Even a tree lighting, a celebration, a gathering of community is now a target for, in this case, the one I'm looking at here, the free Palestine folks. Now, I always have to put this disclaimer on it because I want people to understand where I'm at. Yes, Palestinians deserve to have freedom and a plot of land that they can... Call their own. Absolutely. What they don't have a right to is the extermination of Israel and all of its citizens. And I would encourage the free Palestine folks and all the knucklehead college students who are chiming in with their uninformed, over-exuberant opinions. I would advise you and Palestinians, make better choices. Don't choose in whatever fashion it happened, elections or otherwise, to have a terrorist organization be your sole representative. Because that's not going to play well. That's going to go well. And as you can see, it's not. There's so many people have this weird, nebulous, confused view of what the world is like, what war is like what countries should do when faced with terrorism. There's no nice way to say, hey, terrorists, please stop killing our civilians. There's no nice way to do that. Unfortunately, the answer is you have to get rid of the terrorists. And you have to force Palestinians, this is the hard part, to make better choices on who their representatives are. And if you are a Palestinian who says... Hamas is my elected representative, representative an organization that rep- represents my interest. You are essentially siding with terrorists. There's no gray there. The number one tenets of their organization is the extermination and genocide of all of Israel and its citizens. First on the list. Not much to negotiate there. All right, after the break... A uh, a big email conversation happening at the, uh, the UW system. The the president of the UW system got himself in hot water. I'm actually going to come to his defense here. But I know there's other people who disagree. That's where the fun part comes in. Today, no guests on the show today. Today is your chance to weigh in. 855-616-1620 on the old National Bank talking text line. What do you think? Should a institution like the UW system start thinking about the life after education, the workforce, workplace possibilities of their students? You would think that wouldn't be controversial, but it is.
0: And we'll explore after this on WTMJ Now. More of WTMJ Now after this. It's WTMJ Now. Happy Thursday, everybody. This is
1: Steve Kavidi on the WTN now program on the biggest stick in the state. We don't say that much anymore, but it's true. We're not just a Milwaukee radio station. We go everywhere, and because of the the stream and YouTube and Apple and Spotify, all of our shows and our interviews podcasted for you, that you can watch at your leisure. Leisure, whatever the right pronunciation is. I think you can do it both ways on that one. I think that's flexible. There's flexibility built into that one. I'm just saying it. I don't know. And uh, thanks for all the uh, Kelly and Mark texts. Yeah, unbearable. I, might, I may, it's, it's a four-screen monitor display. I may shut that one off. I've had enough of these overly quaffed, overly excited, fake enthusiasm, hyper-married couple. All right, so I, I teased the story before the break there. The Daily Cardinal is a student newspaper at UW-Madison. Actually, one of the oldest ones in the country, 1892. It's financed, and its editorial decisions are independent of the university, which kind of leads to the story that uh, they broke yesterday. They they got a hold of emails from system president Jay Rothman. He's a former law firm chairman, CEO. He didn't have any like educational background before he started to head the UW system, but he, um, and I'm going to read some of this because it's interesting. Now, there's this uproar. There's people calling for his head yesterday. I'm not one of those people. I actually think this is a refreshing, hard take on what all universities, colleges, institutions institutions of higher learning should be thinking about. It's forward thinking, but it scared the hell out of out of faculty and maybe some students. But I'm going to read from the email that the Cardinal, the student newspaper at UW, was able to obtain from Jay Rothman, system chair of the UW system. Uh, So I'm not going to read the whole thing. He starts this. Thanks for your email. I wasn't planning on a broader discussion on the report with the chancellors, but would be happy to arrange that if people believe it would be useful. As for timing, I know we are at the start of the academic year, so I wasn't – this was written, by the way, in September – I wasn't suggesting that the report is something you should be reading in the near term. I appreciate there are more demands in your time now than there are hours in the day, and it was not in my intent to add another burden to your list. This is, he sent this out to the chancellors, by the way. I just thought the report provided some interesting learning, so I wanted to make sure the chancellors had access to it. Some of the lessons he took from a report on the EW system. Address financial challenges as early as possible to make sure the institution has the necessary runway to return to financial stability. Makes sense. That's forward thinking. Two, make the painful cuts and adjustments at one time and then move on. In other words, do not use a piecemeal approach. Make tough decisions. I'm paraphrasing. Make tough decisions. Don't hem and haw. Don't pacify or try to pacify one group against another group. If you have tough cuts to make, make them. Be firm in your approach. That's what leaders do. He advances that thought with this do not procrastinate making difficult decisions time will not make the problems better true again great leadership ensure that the governing board has a clear and transparent view of the institution's financial challenges full transparency how are we doing are we losing students are we bleeding students do we have students in, in significant debt loads and problems are we matching our institution what we teach to student needs which leads me to some of the other areas. Ensure that investment decisions relating to new programs, new classes, are tied to financial reality, i.e. new programs will be financially sustainable based on enrollment projections, tuition levels, and cost to deliver. Review existing programs in the context of the job market. Student demand and retention graduation rates need to use data to drive program array, given that many universities are offering too many programs. It's a great thought that perhaps doing it the way you always did it, constantly just adding more classes, the uh, curriculum of the day or the curriculum of the year to meet some small need that maybe isn't driven by any marketplace need. Because ultimately, there's two things that institutions do, right? They, They educate. Liberal arts, in a broad sense, more specific universities of higher learning to technical needs or workplace needs. For example, engineering would be the latter. Liberal arts, expanding the mind. Everybody gets it. Number eight on the list. COVID dollars should have been used to reinvent the university and to create a soft landing for the cuts that were necessary as opposed to funding business as usual. That is a leader saying to his chancellors, stop doing it the same damn way you always did it. That's not good business. Again, leadership on full display. And I understand I'm the outlier here because a lot of people are saying to the system president, Jay Rothman, You should be fired immediately. How dare you challenge what we do? I'm not one of those people. Here's the one that got all the attention, and then I'm going to ask you a question. 13. Consider shifting away from liberal arts programs to programs that are more career-specific, particularly if the institution serves a large number of low-income students. Oh, my goodness. You would have thought he used the N-word in this email. The reaction to that one made people's heads explode. And this last one, disciplined collection of outstanding student receivables, student loan debt, is important. 855-616-1620. The old National Bank talking text line. I have zero problem with a system president saying to his chancellors, you know what, we can't do business as usual. Funding is challenged. We've had this reprieve with all this bonus money that the federal government shot out of a cannon to every institution that asked for it during the pandemic. Some of it needed, some of it not. But now we're back to reality. And oh, by the way, maybe a institution of higher learning should actually think about the real life consequences of teaching somebody something in any class. Any class. Other than elective, you're just adding to fill your load. That doesn't target you, put you in the right direction of a usable skill to make you a hireable person once you get out of college. If that's controversial, then we are in a world of hurts. 855-616-1620. What do you think about the, the comments of the system president, Jay Rothman, Is it too far-fetched to expect a university, any university, Harvard, USC, Berkeley, well, that's probably not a good example, Stanford, UW, to say to his chancellors, you know what, rethink what we're doing. Because fiscal responsibility is just as important as educational responsibility. It's a big topic, but I know you have thoughts. 855-616-1620. We'll get those thoughts. Talk or text after this, <music> UW System President, I was waiting for the the kicking. There we go. I got it. UW System President Jay Rothman. All, all crazy today. All the comments. All the uh, the uproar yesterday, last night, and today about his comments to his chancellors about. Starting to think about education in a different way. You would have think he said the N-word, to be honest. I know that's an extreme example, but what are we doing? I thought the idea of universities and college was to keep an open mind to things. Does that not apply to the chancellors, the staff, the faculty? Where's that open-end thinking? Uh, A quick text, then we go to the phone lines. Uh, Peter? System president Rothman sounds like an experienced, prudent CEO, which the UW system has desperately needed for eons. Seth, a true leader does what's right, not what sounds or looks right, and just keeps the masses happy. Two brilliant points by two texters. Another one from the 414, we need more focus on marketable skills, college, tech schools, and apprenticeships. What are all the manufacturers, the people who hire, say? We need people with marketable skills, skills that help us do what we do, make our products, sell our services. That's what we need. Jim, first up on the phone from New Berlin. Hey, Jim. Hello. How you doing today? Good. Good. What do you think? I,
2: I was wait. I was waiting for you to say something controversial. No. I don't get it. Whatever. You, I mean, it's ridiculous.
1: I don't know why this is controversy other than people. some people don't like the status quo being changed. Like That's got to be it, right? Well,
2: I guess so. I mean, he's doing his job. He's telling the people what he wants. I guess if they don't like it, they can get a new job.
1: What about the bigger question, Jim, about the role of education? Shouldn't, at whatever university you're, you're talking about, shouldn't they actually at some point think about when you educate someone? What is the marketability of those skills that you have hopefully taught them in the workplace? That seems like a basic baseline idea.
2: Well, you're right. I mean someone graduates and what skills do they really have unless I mean unless it's a you know lawyer, doctor, um, you know engineer, something like that, if you get a liberal arts
1: degree, what do you have really? Thanks for the call, Jim. Now, I'm not going to say blow up liberal arts degrees. There's a place for that, right? I want people that, that have a wide breadth of knowledge. I want people that are great communicators because, frankly, our communication skills in this country suck. If I read one more email from someone that doesn't know how to spell, I'm going to lose my mind. From Diane, leadership is hard. Where would you hear that from? before, Diane? Discussion and ideas are exactly what we need. I don't think I'm out on a limb here. Now, I spent a lot of time yesterday listening to more liberal radio stations. I wanted to see what they were talking about. And there was outrage, demands for immediate resignation, firing. I read for you the comments. None of this seems to be controversial to me. And if you're a chancellor of a school in the UW system, You are already aware of this fact. There is declining enrollment. One, because you price yourself out of the market, first off. Many young people, not even so young people, 20s and 30s now, are living under the burden of the costs incurred by them and their decisions, no one else's, to educate themselves at your institutions of higher learning. And they are speaking loudly and clearly through their, in some cases, demands for their student loans to be absolved. But also in the fact that tuition has not risen or has outperformed or outpaced wages, what people can afford to spend to go to school to educate themselves. That's a hard reality. And maybe emails... Communication from people like UW System President Jay Rothman is part of the beginning of a return to sanity. Because what have I been talking about lately? College institutions who have frankly lost their mind, who used to be open to ideas, now they're open to one kind of ideas, who now celebrate insanity. Protesters who claim to be peaceful but when they see a Jewish student on campus, they terrorize them, in some cases chase them down, in some cases beat them. That suggests a system that's out of control. That suggests a system that needs some clarity. So I applaud EW System President Jay Rothman. As a matter of fact, if he's listening or someone knows him, he's welcome on the show. It's a breath of fresh air. I am not anti-university. I'm not anti-education. I went to University of wisconsin Milwaukee, and got my degree in 1983. Big fan. Bachelor of Arts degree. Mass Comm with an emphasis on broadcast journalism. I'm proud of that degree. That is a marketable skill. I didn't use it specifically in broadcast journalism right away, but look, here I am today. Matching education to the reality of the workplace is something every Institution of Higher Learning should start to think about. And I applaud Jay Rothman for doing that, email or otherwise. And also a note of praise for the student newspaper, The Daily Cardinal at UW. Well done. There's a place for you in the world of journalism, and and I appreciate the efforts to do that. Now, I'd be curious to know what your thoughts are about the email that you read, because I'm guessing that some of you aren't happy about that, but we'll, we'll save that conversation for another day. All right, after the break. Mark Cuban and others, and you want a real clear example, Donald Trump, didn't come from the world of politics, but increasingly, that's the reality for candidates for president. What do you think about that? I have thoughts, I'm sure you do, 855-616-1620, after this.
0: More of WTMJ now, after this. WTMJ now. Oh, it won't be long before we hear that again.
1: Big election next year, and we are, we are already ramping up our coverage here at uh, WTMJ. I'll be very involved in that coverage as we uh, march ahead to the RNC, located right here in good old Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So I'm excited about that. What I'm less excited about is the, the quality of the candidates. Now, I'm not going to bore you with a recitation of Joe Biden's faults or Donald Trump's faults. I'm more interested in the, the speculation. And I don't do a lot of this, but I, I think it's something we need to talk about. And, you know, a lot of this is, is, comes from the Arnold Schwarzenegger's at the state level, governor of California. Some of it comes from, right, Donald Trump, 45th president of the United States. And then I saw this story this week. Mark Cuban, Shark Tank guy, and oh, oh, by the way, just a personal note, I hate the Shark Tank. They're uh, they're far too know-it-all. Um, I I, don't, I can't even think of the right phrase. I, I'm just tired of their nonsense. I know it's been on for, I don't know, 16 years or something. Yeah, season 16. Uh, he, Mark Cuban has announced he's not going to be on it anymore. Uh, he also, by the way, s- sold his stake in the Mavericks, although it's a weird sale because he's still going to be running the basketball program. Like, how is that a thing? But anyway, I digress. So we, we've seen the rise of these kind of candidates. Now, I would say Arnold Schwarzenegger, accomplished quite a bit as governor of California. I would say Donald Trump, if you're conservative, accomplished some things that conservative wants. I'm not a fan of all the other nonsense. And if you listen to the show, you know, I have basically called him a boat anchor in 2024. But I'm curious what you think about the rise of these reality TV stars, reality celebrity actors who all of a sudden say Oprah was, a you know, a common commonly named name thrown out there for a while running for president. And frankly, Oprah would be a disaster. Not not that I don't like Oprah. I mean, she's a great communicator. I get all that. But free everything is not, a, is not a formula for success. You get a car. You get a car. You get all your student loans absolved. You get free this, free that, free health care, free child care. That's not a sustainable way of doing the government's work. 855-616-1620. And I'll actually let you take us in a different direction if, if you'd like. Who is one of these people who would make a good president? Like, who would, that, who would that person be? Who would that candidate be that has really no political experience? Totally out of the blue. How about a Tim Allen, comedian? Conservative comedian. Who's lived a life. He served some time in prison. I think he was just in Milwaukee or just, is going to be in Milwaukee um, pretty soon. Producer Isaac, you have thoughts? David Gruber. David Gruber, I don't think he wants to run for president. His current gig is pretty good. But, yeah, throw me a name, 855-616-1620 on the old National Bank Talk and Text Line. I'm going to think of one, and I'll I'll tease you with that one. But uh, the Mark Cuban story is interesting because he has said he's not going to. But when you clear the field and clear the table of all your current issues and job requirements, it does suggest that maybe you have some other ideas. and And who knows what those other ideas might be. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. We'll we'll answer those questions. Get your thoughts after this.
0: WTMJ now. Mark Cuban says he's not running for president, but he's certainly cleared
1: the table that would enable him to do the opposites. What do you think? Give me a name. Somebody stole my name on the text line. Mine was Tom Hanks, brilliant actor, smart guy. He's a producer. I don't know if he's directed or not, but just a brilliant American. And here's the thing that matters to me: he cares about this country immensely uh was a producer of band of brothers if you have if you haven't seen the i think it's eight hours It could be longer of band of brothers take a, take the opportunity to, to watch it and oh by the way to all those students who are protesting on american campuses it should be required for you to watch that and maybe it would fill in some of those blank spaces that are currently sitting in your gray matter let's go to the phone lines first up bob from Walkershaw. Mm-hmm. hey bob good morning
3: and Steve. How are you today, sir?
1: Wonderful on this Thursday. So who's your person?
3: Yeah, we're thinking this
4: might be frightening for you, but we're thinking along the same lines. I, I, I was thinking about maybe Gary Sinise.
1: Well, tremendous American. I, I, I'll tease my I, – I, I'm putting together my uh, end-of-the-year interview shows. I'm doing two special hours for the holidays. Gary Sinise features prominently because I did an interview along with Sandy Max with him a few months ago, and he is brilliant. He's dedicated. He's certainly a great American. That's not a bad. That's not a bad choice. Why? Why do you like Gary
2: Sinise? for all the reasons you've just enumerated, uh, and I just finished his book "Grateful American." I was riveted, absolutely riveted,
1: particularly
3: it's, being a Vietnam vet.
1: Yeah, that's one, that's on my holiday uh, reading list. I just I just got my copy. Thanks for the call, Bob. Valerie says we need a businessman. Hey, Valerie. Hi, yeah, someone who is a very successful business,
5: and I don't mean necessarily where, because we're not we're not putting Trump in the mix, but you get a very successful businessman who knows how the economics and all of that, that's an important part of it. And you get someone in there who's never dealt with finances at a high level, could make it a little more complicated, but as far as a name other than a businessman would be like a Ron Howard.
1: Mm, interesting another another smart guy yeah
5: very smart guy very dedicated to our country he loves to enable us to see all aspects of the society i know some of these would probably never think of this but we can have an actor be successful a good example is ronald reagan i was
1: just going to say that yeah ronald reagan was a, a tremendous example thanks for the call valerie yeah it's possible it's not impossible chris from green green bay joins us next up hey chris
2: Hi, Steve. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, so my choice, do you want the choice first? <laughs> yes. I think um, Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs. Oh yeah, Mike. I don't know uh, if you've ever
1: seen uh, oh yeah, dedicated conservative guy, smart guy. Here's a guy that cuts through the BS, which is what I love, and that's why I'm a big fan of his.
2: Well, and he's, I think he's experienced a lot of jobs where, you know, uh, some of the people who can afford to run for politics haven't experienced. Um, I I think a lot of the reasons some of these people from celebrities and things are, are running is because they're affluent. Um, They have the means to uh, back their, their, I mean, look at Bloomberg. I mean, what, what qualifications did he have uh, to run for president besides being rich enough to afford a campaign?
1: Yeah, good good stuff, Chris. Uh, I love the Mike Rowe thing. And after the break, I'll speak to some of that because I, I, the point that he just made, a brilliant point, is that the relatability of a candidate, in, in the case of Mike Rowe, if you don't know the show Dirty Jobs, he does the dirtiest jobs. I mean, base level, blue collar, get, get your sleeves rolled up, get yourself dirty, get covered in you-know-what. Uh, gives you an understanding because you're talking to the folks who do those jobs Gives you a real understanding of what Americans face every day. Americans who are doing the tough tough jobs, the dirty jobs, which lends itself to the title of the show. All right, still got to, uh, time. We got a lot of names here. Jon Stewart just made the list. Dave Ramsey made the list. Mike Rowe getting a lot of love. Tom Hanks, Gary Sinise. What's your choice for a celebrity? Is it Mark Cuban? Is he qualified? I got a quick story about one of the smart guys on uh, Shark Tank and how he did on Jeopardy.
0: Mm. Not so smart. We'll do that after the break. More of WTMJ now after this. WTMJ, W277CV, and WKTI HD2 Milwaukee from the Annex Wealth Management Studios. This is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station.
3: Is it any wonder I got
1: too much time? Ah, editorial commentary with the uh, bump music. All right, so a quick Shark Tank story. So the, the story this week was that Mark Cuban. Is exiting Shark Tank after sixty years, sixteen years, and he's apparently not going to run for president. But there's a lot of rumors to that, to that, uh, to that side of the argument. Kevin O'Leary, I think they call him Mister Wonderful or something. He's got a nickname. He's a Canadian businessman. He's on Shark Tank. He went on Jeopardy, and he it was like the dumbest Jeopardy player ever. I said this yesterday. Don't confuse being a CEO with being smart. It may you may be you may be talented in your specific field. But it doesn't give you a PhD in in the rest of the world and life. And uh, for Kevin O'Leary, he had a disastrous appearance on Jeopardy. For somebody who is so confident on Shark Tank, he really couldn't answer a question accurately, which is a real problem if you're going to be president of the United States. And I'm not saying Mark Cuban is going to be president. Keith joins us uh, from Brookfield. Hey, Keith, welcome to the show. Hey, Steve, thanks for
3: having me on. One thing that's interesting that – I, that of all the people who've talked,
2: other than Oprah, nobody's mentioned a woman in this.
1: That is interesting. Why do you think that is?
2: Yeah, everybody. Every I'm not sure. I mean, it just there's a lot of successful women out there. You know, you know, Mrs. Hendricks from ABC Supply, as an example. Yeah, billionaire. Yeah, Diane Hendricks. Yeah. Nobody mentioned a woman. Yeah, yeah. I wonder why that is.
1: Well, thanks for the call, Keith. I, a couple things. One, we've never had a woman president. We had women run for president. Uh, most recently, Hillary Clinton, who was immensely unpopular at the same time as being popular with some voters. But when I think about, and she had more votes than Donald Trump did, but that's not how elections work in this country. But at the question, the, the greater question is, when will we change that? And if you listen to the show, you know that I'm a big supporter of Nikki Haley. And she's not perfect either. And, and frankly, her tenuous embrace of donald trump concerns me but i think she's a free spirit and a smart woman and someone who's been in a leadership position as the governor of south carolina i think there's there's a opportunity for republicans if they get their act together and use their brains to not nominate donald trump my opinion i know there's a lot of people that love donald trump and you're entitled to that opinion but that's a great question and i appreciate that call A couple on the text line. Then we're going to go to the news, which is next on WTMJ. Somebody says I nominate George Santos for the uh, GOP candidate. He's a younger version of Trump. He's a liar, is basically what he is, and he was still peddling his lies this morning. Uh, He's facing expulsion from Congress Uh, tomorrow. There's going to be a vote. I'm not sure that it's going to. They're going to expel him. I don't think they're. I, I don't know that the votes are there yet. It could be close. But uh, the only hiccup is, at least according to Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, he has not been convicted yet on these crimes, although an ethics committee pretty much laid it out, the crimes that he is accused of committing, and they're pretty serious. Uh, Somebody says, Andy says, Clark Howard, very smart guy, on our airwaves for many years. Arnold Schwarzenegger, I don't think he can run. I think that's the the quality. He probably would have if he could. Uh, Kevin Costner, he's almost uh, done being governor of Wyoming. Yeah. (laughs) What's that show? I always forget the name of that show. I don't watch it, but it's very popular. Um, yeah, you know, the actor thing is, is intriguing to people. And look, I'm not a fan of, of reality TV shows, but that's certainly a thing in this country. And with the rise of TikTok and all social media and the uh, decline of real facts, real research, decline generally in our overall knowledge of how the world works, There's a lot of warning signs, and I guess if you're a fan of those kind of shows and those kind of people, those candidates for president, you might get your way, because that might be where America is going next. All right, we got two more hours of the program. After the break, are you doom spending? What is that? Doom spending. You know what? The answer is yes. America is doom spending. I'll give you the breakdown and the details, and we'll get your thoughts after the news, which is next on WTMJ.
0: Here's your host,
1: Steve Scaffidi. Hey, good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday. I hope you're in a good mood. I'm in a great mood. And then I, I was commenting earlier in the show about Mark and Kelly being on, and I hate looking at their faces. And then I realized the follow-up show to that one is The View. Did you hear the story about Oprah? Not Oprah. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg. Bill Maher does a program. And he he did a, he does an introductory interview at the start of the program, and he was recording it with Whoopi Goldberg, and she was saying such in, inane, crazy things. He shut the interview down and said, "Get the hell out of here." She's lost her mind in her later years. In the View, well, I know some people watch it. There, actually, uh, one of the, the guests on the View, the host on the View, is really good. She's a conservative commentator, but also also reasonable. See, that's my thing with conservatism. All the MAGA, unrealistic, crazy, just stop. You're just embarrassing yourselves. But that's just my humble opinion. I'm here to get your opinion. So I i thought about this in the context of all the spending that some people did over the, uh, the Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday. I probably missed something in there. There's names for every day now, all the way through Christmas and New Year's. Well, a record, get this record. Here's a dazzling detail. 200 million shoppers turned out for between Black Friday and Cyber Monday, according to the National Retail Foundation. 200 million shoppers. Last time I checked, what did we have, 335 million people in this country? It's like everybody. Holiday spending, get this, just shy of one trillion, yes, trillion with a T, dollars. That's for Scott Warris if he's listening. $966 billion. $966 billion was spent. Here's why I'm interjecting the term doom spending. It's not my term. Because at the same time all of that stuff's happening, recent study by Intuit Credit Karma, people who look at how we spend and buy things, said 96%, again, big number, 96 out of 100 Americans, concerned about the current state of the economy. And despite those concerns, spending off the charts. So all Americans concerned, yet we're continuing to spend like drunken shoppers. Why is that? So there's a popular answer. And there's another answer that I'm going to give you. 855 616 1620, the old national bank, talking text line. 855 616 1620 on this Thursday. I need your participation on that. I need to know what you think. So, one of the biggest answers to doom spending is that people do it to cope with the stress as their economic fears increase. I disagree. I think that's part of it. Here's what it is We are a people and a country and a world that wants stuff. We buy stuff. We don't stop buying things. Drive down your street this time of year. I guarantee you that on at least one porch in your little neighborhood, there'll be somebody's got boxes piled up for Amazon or another shipping company, hopefully Omaha Steaks they have a great deal going on right now, 50% off-site wide, and if you use the WTMJ promo code, $30 off your order, minimum order may be required. Free time for Omaha Steaks. That's how good they are. But we are consumed by buying things. Let me give you an example. Raise your hand out there in Radioland. I can't see you, but you can see me if you're watching on the stream, so shout out to the folks watching on the stream. More of you should do that. I think I look particularly good today, don't I? I was like, yeah, he's giving me the thumbs up. I have a new pullover on today. Thanks to my wife, Kathy, for buying that last week. I think she bought it on Black Friday. There you go. I tied it all together in a nice little ribbon on the package. So I've said this to my wife, Kathy, a lot. I would put her in the shopper category. She woke up at, I think, 3.30 or 4 on Black Friday. She loves to shop. She used to do the whole night thing, but... You know, that's, that has sort of paled a little bit in comparison to all the online stuff that people do. But she still enjoyed it. Was out with my two daughters, my lovely daughters. Um, and they had fun. They had breakfast together, all that stuff. That's a, that's a more of a social thing than a an need. And she didn't really buy that much except for this great pullover that I'm wearing right now. But I, I was talking to her the other day about shopping. And I said I use grocery shopping. So when I look at the freezer or freezers in our case or the cupboard or the cabinets, they look full to me. And I often say to her, now, she's a lot smarter about this than I am, and I always say women are smarter than men. I say, why don't we just shop from our freezer? Why don't we shop from our cabinets? And she's very good at that. Rather than go buy 100 or $2 worth of new groceries, and sometimes you have to have milk and all that. I get butter, all that. I get that. And that's something that I think demonstrates the point. There's this desire to consume. That's a personal example. We like to buy stuff. Now, again, I'm not talking about staples. I'm talking about things that you stick in your freezer and you, you make them a month from now or two weeks from now. And that's just a food example. Now, all of us like things. We, like, I, I typically say to my kids at Christmas, I don't need anything. But you know, who doesn't like a present, right? I mean, that's honest Everybody likes you know, a little something, right? Now, as you get older, you realize all those little somethings add up to a big full house so that you don't need to be stuffed at the gills with all the presents you got during your life. Some <laughs> to be completely honest, I've never really used. So I'm very functional in my if they ask me what what I request. 855-616-1620. Do you think you doom spend? And what is your reason for that? Is it stress? Is it the love of shopping? Is it the fact that I think Americans and maybe the world, we just love to buy stuff. Newest, shiniest, best. Technology is a big part of that. Got to have the new iPhone. Got to have the new this, the new that. We love to shop. To me, that's the biggest driver of all of this. And if they're not buying houses, they're buying a new iPhone. They're buying the newest technology. If you're not buying a house, probably have more money to spend on all the new shiny objects. What do you think? 855-616-1620. Your thoughts
0: after this on WTMJ. More of WTMJ Now after this. It's WTMJ Now. Are Americans out there doom spending? Are you kidding me? Yes.
1: Trillion dollars in, in uh, purchases over the uh, the Black Friday, Cyber Monday thing. Does every day have a, day be- named, a named day between now and the end of the year. Probably you always have those national days. I've kind of gotten away from highlighting those. They are fun, though. Like, every other day is National Beer Day in some twisted way or not, which speaks to the consumerism and the love of beer. Uh, phone lines we go. Paul from New Berlin is going to explain it for us. Hi, Paul.
4: Hey, good morning. How are you?
1: I'm good. Do you think we are doom spending?
4: You know, it actually makes me sick. Um it is just out of control. I'm, I, I'll am i first admit I'm a Christian. I believe in helping others, especially this time of year. And my wife is retired. I'm semi-retired. We sponsor a family through our church, and we get them everything we need. Actually, today, we're going to get a bed for her son, who does not have a bed, and going to give him a bed and coats and
1: boots. I love that, Paul. You know, my wife that.
4: makes homemade cookies you know, I just, I get so sick of the overspending and, and racking up debt as well, but uh, that's beside the point.
1: <laughs> what do you think's driving it? Is it stress? Is it just the, the, want, the, the want of things you don't necessarily need, but you just got to have?
4: I, I think it is just me, 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 me. I mean, I, now with a the, with the grain of salt on that, you know, people love to give gifts. And, and and you know that is the spirit of Christmas, so I don't have a problem with that, but then, when you're out shopping, like, oh, I would like that, I could use that. Hey, we're all guilty of it,
1: yeah, thanks for the call paul and Paul, and thanks above and beyond what you just said the uh the work for the community that, that's great. I wish more people did that we We've done that in the past, um matter of fact, my wife and I are bell ringing for the Salvation Army on I got to double check my I think it's the 15th is that a Friday I'm pretty sure it is the 15th is a Friday yes uh 2 to 4 at the local pick and save in Oak Creek so stop by but stop by and say hi if you would like that's just it's just it's a good way to connect first off with your community I live in Oak Creek but two just to give back and I think you know the spending thing is interesting and and we can talk about stress we can talk about doom spending or just the desire to have things that you don't necessarily need In some cases, just the desire to spend. Some people have a problem with that, just like people have a problem with gambling. Mike from Illinois joins the conversation. Hey, Mike.
3: Good morning, Steve. Another beautiful day in northern Illinois and southern Wisconsin.
1: Absolutely. Let's enjoy it.
3: Absolutely. I'm going to. Uh, Before I start, I just have to, uh, I don't think they're listening, but a shout out to my mom and dad. It's their 60-year anniversary today.
1: All right. Happy anniversary to your mom and dad.
3: I will tell them for you.
1: All right. Thank you.
3: Um, so I think, and I said this to your producer, I like to use the term excessive consumerism because I think that's what it is. But I think the reasons behind that are several of the ones you stated. There is this need, I think, especially from women to stock up on food. Um, I've seen it. I've seen different uh, levels of that. Um, my mom does it as well. Um, I also think that there's advertising that sort of, tricks us into getting things that we think we need or want more than we do need or want. Um, And I do think people do shop based on their mood. Um, And I think it can go both ways. I think if they're down, I've heard some people say, well, I buy something to cheer me up. And if someone's in an excessively good mood, they might overspend again. There's all sorts of reasons, but the bottom line, it comes down to a term I like to use, excessive consumerism.
1: That's good. We'll, we'll have to coin that phrase. Thanks for the call, uh, Mike, in Illinois. Excessive consumerism. I think he's onto to something with almost a trillion dollars in sales uh, from the 262. People are greedy. It's as simple as that since the dawn of time. Christ talked about greed and money, materialism. I bought a men's sweatshirt on sale at Kohl's for 10 bucks, and I'm a multimillionaire. <laughs> here's, here's my deal. I hate bills. I, I've gone away from, like, I don't like paper. So I don't get any paper bills for the bills I have. Everything's online. Automatic deductions if I do have a bill. I don't get bills in the mail. I hate the mail. Don't need it. You've heard me argue about this. I understand that there's a need for some people. You get, if you gave me mail once a week, I'd be more than happy. I would save the taxpayers' money. If we all did that, we'd probably not be talking about $33 trillion in debt. So that's from the 262 From the 414, give to your local nonprofit or school. Here's an idea. Since we're talking about the holiday season. And I want to make a PSA. I did one yesterday, too. It must be the theme of the week. I know it's about buying stuff, buying gifts. Take whatever, take one of those gifts that you're going to buy. Instead of buying somebody five gifts, buy them four. Take that money, donate it to a good cause. I know Tuesday was Giving Tuesday. Regardless. And it could be a simple thing like um, if you see somebody at a grocery store that needs a little help with the bill, pay the pay twenty bucks to their bill, whatever it is. Pay it forward. I always do this at this time of year, and it's going to be trickier this year because I kind of uh, sworn off fast food, so I'm not generally in those lines. But last year I said to the uh, the McDonald's drive through attendant, um, "Catch the next fifty bucks on me," and then. I, uh, you have to, I think the process, I had to buy a gift card for 50 bucks and then she would charge it off the gift card, which is fine. But that's a way of giving back. It's just a little nice thing. So think about that as you're, as you're over consuming, excessive consumerizing, <laughs> as it were. We got another break to take. Lots of texts on this. Love to hear from you on the phones 855 616 1620. Doom spending. We are doing that. The reasons vary. What are your reasons? What are your stories? That's next.
0: WTMJ Now.
1: Are we buying too much? The answer is yes. I already answered my own question. Consumer spending, excessive consumerism, caller Mike says from Illinois. I think he's on to something. We'd love to buy. So I've got a lot of text on this. I, I want to give the text for some love, and you can join the conversation at 855-616-1620 from the 414. I'm going to blame it on social media and marketing. The targeted advertising that happens can take a product that you thought, oh, I kind of like that. You check the price and it's too expensive, but then it shows up in your feed every day, several times a day, and you keep admiring the product. Pretty soon you're thinking, I'm just going to buy it. It happened to me in a very expensive pair of boots that I don't need, but I've been close to buying them because I see the ad three or four times a day. Yeah, reinforcement. The algorithms of consumerism, right? Social media has taken over the world. Don't get me started on TikTok. It makes us dumber. Makes us buy. So the social media angle from the 414, that's right on track. I think that's exactly right. Uh, Let's see. Bill from Oshkosh. Um, Oh, he's inviting me to his tailgate on on Sunday. We'll see, Bill. I'll be at the game Sunday night. Chiefs, Packers. Uh, From the 414, I think some people shop as a way to feel better in a world that feels increasingly out of control. Christmas shopping is a normal activity that brings joy. I'm not saying you shouldn't shop. And I'm not saying certainly not saying you shouldn't buy people gifts. Just think about the bigger picture. I hate bills. I work really hard to not have bills. Uh, maybe I'm different, maybe I'm unique, but I I think that plan leads to certainly a better that financial plan um, leads to a more stable financial picture. And maybe the 96% of Americans who who fear the economy, that's the doom part of this equation. Maybe they'd feel better about that if they didn't incur excessive debt during this, especially this time of year, or any time, really. Here's one that takes a different tact. Uh, The blame on marketing is annoying to me. Be an adult and manage your life. If you can't afford it, don't buy it. Very matter of fact. That would, would, I guess, be the argument that it's not the advertising, it's you. But I I would say that if you're saying that advertising doesn't work, mm, it's pretty effective. Otherwise, they wouldn't advertise. Uh, Leanne says this from Racine. Extreme selfishness is at the root of today's overspending, crime, and feelings of entitlement. There's certainly a lot of that. It's the, um, it's the desire to primp, right? That whole thing, to be overdressed, overmade up, wearing the best shoes, wearing the best outfits. I mean, wherever you go, right? I'm generally considered to be a pretty casual dresser. I came from environments, private and public, where I wore suits a lot, especially as mayor. I enjoy the fact that I don't have to do that now. Doesn't mean you can't enjoy nice clothes. It just means we seem to have a culture that's obsessed with that. The latest, greatest, fanciest, shiniest, smartest. Uh, for the 414, why not doomspend? The biggest problem in this country is the overwhelming influence of large corporations, and nobody is going to do anything about it because there's no profit in fixing the problem. That's a big text, 414. There's a lot in that. Is that the biggest problem in the country, overspending? I don't know. I think the biggest problem in the country has to do a lot more with how we perceive each other, how we communicate with each other, how we certainly act Around each other. That's the biggest part, in my mind. Failure to communicate, the famous audio clip from Cool Hand Luke. That is, that's a, a big problem. We prefer the online presence, social media, texting, versus a live phone call, face-to-face conversation. I live, and I'm, obviously I'm an older generation, I'm a baby boomer, I live in the world where face-to-face Rocks. And I understand it's ironic given that I'm a radio host and call it voice to audience. Whatever it is, it's live. It's instantaneous. It comes out of my head. I say it hopefully with some pre-planned thoughts and experience and facts backing it up. But, I mean, that's the, the magic of it. That's the cool part. Um, let's take a break. I'm going to shift gears here because I, I want to. and to uh, you, You've exhausted all of your ideas on... <laughs> On the doom spending. So I, I, I hesitate to do this topic because I, I know it's going to happen, but I'm going to do it anyway. So, and I, this is probably the first time I've mentioned COVID in probably, I don't know, four months, maybe five months. Uh, and I, I'm not going in the direction of the numbers are going up because they are. There's actually some science now. And some real hard numbers about what it's doing to life expectancy. So if you don't know the story, during the COVID pandemic, this kind of blows up the theory that COVID COVID is just the flu or fake in some people's minds. Life expectancy dropped in this country. Well, it jumped back up. And I guess my question for all of you is, given that was the principal reason why life expectancy dropped, not the only reason, suicide Drug doses were part of that. But pandemic was typically the, the biggest reason. And if you don't think it's significant, it was the first drop in like 100 years. Clearly, that was the principal driver. But it's gone back up. So my question is simple. 855 616 620 before the break. For all the deniers out there, the folks who say that's hey, the flu, does it? Say at this moment, you know what? COVID was real. I have to understand it and embrace the fact that it did some real damage to our country. And then I haven't even gotten to the long COVID part of that, which science is now saying, and I know science is a dirty word now, saying that the health implications of a exposure and having COVID can last years after the actual positive test. 855-616-1620. Do you think this will force some people to change their minds? That's the best way to say it. I'm optimistic, but I don't think so.
0: What do you think? Next. More of WTMJ Now after this. It's WTMJ Now.
1: One of the ugly realities of the COVID pandemic, COVID-19, was that it dropped the life expectancy in the world, and certainly in the United States, significantly by a couple of years plus. Well, new data is available, and they are now looking at the impact of COVID. And uh, the CDC, Center for Disease Control, which is also one of those organizations that uh, we're told we can't trust anymore. Uh, new, Newly published data suggests that, that we've had a partial rebound. So I, I mentioned this before the break. We had seen for 100 years the life, the numbers of years that you were, people were living, men and women, going up, 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 100 years. Life expectancy. And then declined, arguably, the pandemic significantly. Certainly, some other cases and instances as well with overdoses, small part of that. Fentanyl, again, small part as compared to the COVID pandemic. Well, the numbers are, are coming in now, post-pandemic, and life expectancy in 2022 jumped more than a full year. Good news, 77 and a half years, average life expectancy. More than four-fifths of that was due to the drop in COVID-19 deaths. So my math is right. My wife will fact-check me. 80%, right? Four, four out of five is 80%? Yes. Um, so that's good, but it wasn't the rebound that the CDC, Center for Disease Control, expected. And it's less than half of the year's loss, as I said, to the pandemic. Stephen Wolf, who's the director emeritus of the Center on Society and Health at Virginia's Commonwealth University, said the amount of recovery is not as much as we'd like to see. Other countries, not the United States, had the same, similar drops in life expectancy. They came back quicker. And that's an interesting, interesting question. So let me run through the numbers again for you. 2019, pre pandemic, 78.8. By 2021, in the heart of the pandemic, 76.4. Again, math skills are not my best traits, but that's um 2.4 years. The lowest since 1996. We've now come up, as I said, to 77.8. Seventy seven point five. So when you think about these numbers, they're numbers, right? And some people would say seventy seven. Give me that. That's a great life. Some people would say 87, eighty seven, ninety seven, whatever it is. That's a great life. But does it force this is the part that I'm trying to get to. Does it force some people who maybe say, you know, this is overdone, overblown. Don't make me vaccinate. I don't want to hear about it anymore. Does it force some of the folks to say, you know what, there's real data. Deaths are hard to refute. Now, save the text. Because I know that someone's going to say on the text line, I haven't looked at the text line, but I know that when I look at it in a minute, it will say, well, some hospitals, some doctors just put COVID down because they wanted to, because they were part of this conspiracy. Save that. Because I know, if you believe that, there's probably doctors out there Conservative doctors, let's be honest, because there's a significant shift between what conservative doctors and liberal doctors think about this, which is sad on its merits. Probably doctors that, oh, in some cases, didn't put COVID down because there was other contributing factors when COVID was the, for lack of a better phrase, the final nail in the coffin. 855-616-161, the old National Bank talking text line. Does it force you to change your mind about COVID? Or is it just like another number or another organization that you can't trust anymore because of whatever you thought about COVID in 2020, in 2021, 2022, and maybe even in 2023? Your calls and text
0: next. More of WTMJ now after this.
1: Life expectancy going back up again. We've... Made, about, made up about half of what we lost due to the COVID pandemic and other causes. Full admittance there. Uh, Sue joins us from New Berlin. Hi, Sue. Hello. How are you?
5: Very good. Right. When, well, my conservati- when my conservative friends mentioned this deal about a doctor signing COVID when it was really blah, 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 or whatever. Now, I have gone back and I've checked the number of people that died up anything at all in the United States, 2017, 2018, 2019. Very similar amount. Now, number of people that died in 2020 and 2021, 500,000 more in 2020, 5,000, not 5,000, 500,000 in 20, and 500,000 in 21, which Thus is the million. When they talk about the U.S. having during that period losing a uh, a million people to COVID, I mean, I'm sure that's probably where they came up with. But now that that figure is is going way bit down. But if you check, you could go back before 2017. We have the same basic number. We haven't lost many in wars or whatever. Right. Thus. The number will be stable, and it was not in twenty 2021. Yeah,
1: so th- thanks for the call, Sue. I, I mean, I appreciate the, the reciting of, of those numbers. It points to what I think most of us realize. There was a spike. Whether you take COVID seriously or not is really irrelevant. The numbers of deaths in the United States increased. You could say that it was fentanyl. You could say that it was overdoses, but that's a very small part of that that number. Uh, from the 262, COVID killed over one million, one million people, and I know people that don't believe it. They didn't trust the CDC. Even Anthony Fauci was getting death threats. Yeah, the interesting news on Anthony Fauci, if you haven't been following, he has been asked for a long time to testify in front of Congress about what happened in China at the beginning of the pandemic, and he's agreed now to testify. I wonder if the um, the good folks in the House or the Senate, probably the House, will... Um, Do that in open session or closed session, Hmm. like they are doing to Hunter Biden. wonder about that. Uh, Let's see. 414, young people's risk of death after COVID-19 vaccination and or infection on the risk of cardiac and all-cause mortality in young people aged 12 to 39 years. This is a real data study. Texter, is the point of what you're saying is no big risk to young people, but, ah, the old people died, no problem? Because that's the sense I get from that. It's one thing to say people die. Right. That's a reality that all of us face. No one's immune from that one. But when you see a spike, a million extra people lowering our life expectancy for the first time in forever. In an era, we have more technology, more weapons in the fight against disease. That seems to be a slam dunk case. I could make that and I'm not an attorney. I could make that case in court. The numbers don't lie unless you won't even believe Math anymore. Then we have a much bigger problem to talk about. All right, I have another break to take. Another break to
0: take. We'll take it here, and then we're going to
1: do something fun after that. That's next.
0: More of WTMJ now after this. (laughs) WTMJ, W277CV, and WKTI HD2 Milwaukee from the Annex Wealth Management Studios. This is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station getting me cold out there. I know it's a little warm today, a little warmer,
1: but it's cold. And all this cold weather makes you think, wow, I really wish I was somewhere warm and comfortable. Well, worry not, because today on WTMJ Now, which is the program you're listening to, we are giving away a gift certificate for a one-night stay at the White Lace Inn. Gorgeous, gorgeous place. Located in beautiful Sturgeon Bay, also a great city. Uh, located on the Door County Peninsula, one of the most fantastic-looking places in the state of Wisconsin. A stay there will be sure to warm you up and give you a great night's sleep. Or better yet, since it's the holiday season, also makes the perfect gift for family and loved ones. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a chance to win that. 855-616-1620. Right now! 855-616-1620. A certificate. For a night at the beautiful White Lace Inn in beautiful Sturgeon Bay. Doesn't expire, by the way. Value is dependent on the room book, which is chosen by the White Lace Inn. So you call. Now, look at the phone lines. Lit up. Green like a Christmas tree. 855-616-1620. Caller number nine. Producer Isaac, caller number nine will be our lucky winner of a White Lace Inn night at the White Lace Inn. That is comfort extraordinary. And fun in beautiful Door County. So, who says I don't give? All I do is give. All right, some some text cleanup before we get to the top of the hour news. Got a busy eleven o'clock hour as well. Uh, from Kathy, Steve. Morons will be morons. They will never believe the truth. They're so dug into the nonsense, they don't recognize what's real anymore. Wendy says this. Uh, that is false. False. Youth did die with COVID. I work in healthcare and saw it. People don't want to believe it in COVID until within two or three days and you were put in a ventilator because lungs weren't working anymore. And If they survived, then they believed it. Look, I, I've had people that that I've known who've passed from COVID. No one in my direct family, but people that I've connected to in the community passed away from COVID. Some, some I knew pretty well. They didn't hide behind something else. They said, yeah, COVID. I knew a family who lost three family members from COVID. I've talked to enough health professionals some of the highest levels of our hospitals and medical organizations in the state who, frankly, I have complete faith in. I, I mentioned this as an aside because um, if you remember about a year, maybe two years ago, I put together a list of organizations that some people, not all of us, aren't supposed to trust anymore. And the list was up to about 50. Well, I started reworking it over the weekend, last weekend. I'm up to like 74, I think. Organizations... Institutions, people, coroners, school board members, superintendents, CDC, FBI, CIA, DOJ. Could almost pick any three letters now. That we're not supposed to trust anymore. So I'm gonna I'm gonna rebrand and unveil the, the newest list next week. I think it's gonna be Tuesday or Wednesday. The seventh let's shoot for seventy-five. Seventy-five Things that we're we're told we're not supposed to trust and how all of us, this is the most important part, go to war against the people who are going to war against those organizations and people and jobs. Uh, Let's see. From the 262, the hate for Trump is more important than the lives it costs and doing the right things for the health of our nation. All right. Uh, Another way Trump hurt America. Conspiracy lies and ignorance around science and people who are actually trying to help America. I mean... Look, we can make it political if you want. The disease didn't care if you were Republican or Democrat. Didn't care if you're liberal or conservative. Didn't care if you voted for Donald Trump or hated Donald Trump. Didn't care. And the interesting thing, the, sort of the side story about all of that is the fact that as a result of politics, some people made a conscious decision to not protect themselves. And I'm not going to get into a war on vaccines or a defense of vaccines. You know where I stand. I've been vaccinated, fully vaccinated. Boosters and everything. I get a flu shot every year. Got a shingles shot. Feeling better than ever. Never got COVID. Lucky enough to never have gotten COVID. Congrats to Mike from Franken, who's our winner of the night at the beautiful White Lace Inn in Sturgeon Bay. Um, And thanks to White Lace Inn for providing that, by the way. Uh, A couple more texts quickly. Uh, A lot of people saying the same thing, so I'm just going to paraphrase. This may be the fact that there's a real cause and effect, I think. So a decline in life expectancy. We saw an immediate rise as people got vaccinated. The, the, the scourge of COVID declined. We've jumped up halfway. We're getting closer now to where we were pre-COVID 2019. To me, that slams the door, shuts the case, makes the final verdict pretty clear. By all measures, by all experts' opinions, a million people died of COVID. And that reality, I think, should hopefully snap some people out of their hesitancy to trust anyone and any organization in the future. Still got an hour of the program, but right now the news
0: is next on WTMJ. It's WTMJ Now. News. Opinions. Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Here's your host, Steve Scaffidi. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome, all of you listening in Wisconsin,
1: all of you listening wherever you are. I know we have listeners in all 50 states now, so I appreciate that. That, that internet thing is really working out, really spreading the signal, so to speak. So thanks to all of you who taking the time to find this show. And if you missed any or part of the show, you can find it in a lot of different ways the uh, great website wtmg.com all of our shows all of our great content posts interviews sponsors partner material all all the great uh, video that's produced here video content that's one place wherever you get your podcasts youtube apple spotify all available just search a name wtmg now my name whatever whatever you need to find it it's easily searchable and then you can enjoy it that's your Leisure on your time. And a lot of people do that. So thanks to the folks who, who uh, find it when it's convenient and comfortable for them. All right. I need callers. You guys have been really great with the phone calls today. I need callers. That's what Steve said. 855-616-1620. Five questions. Five questions that could change your life. Not really. But if changing your life means a gift card for the Mind Chef restaurants, $30 gift card, Mineshaft restaurant, I would say that's a good thing. Tremendous pizza. Oh, by the way, Thursdays, buy one pizza, get one free. See what we did? Today's Thursday. We're giving out a gift card. One lucky winner. Buy one pizza, get one free. So I need two callers, 855-616-1620. I see the people calling in. I think they're easy this week. I think they're relatively easy. Now, I just realized I don't have a pen, so I'm going to have to find a pen in the in the meantime. So I think what we might do is we'll go to break, and then I'll, I'll be fully functional and ready to record your smart, educated responses to my questions. So the subject matter this this week: Christmas and Christmas trees, uh, the turkey leg scandal from Fox. My goodness! Uh, artificial intelligence is part of the, the equation. Bullying made an appearance, and the United Nations. Those are the five topics. And I I think, and I've done this. By myself since the beginning, I believe these are the, some of the easier questions I've ever done. Now, if you know the history of That's What Steve Said, only three people have ever gotten five rights. And two of you are still do a lunch with Steve. So here's your moments. We have a record of this, so don't cheat. Reach out to me at steve.scafidiwtmj.com. Let's schedule those up during the holidays. Lunch here at the Third Street Market Hall on me. about that let's do it two lucky winners of the three that made history by getting all five of the answers correct we've had people get zero too so i'm not saying it's completely easy all right we're going to take a break we're going to come back with the the exciting theme music and our run-up to the competition i see my my competitors this week sue and chris is it keel keel kyle keel keel right and cedarburg two wonderful places in wisconsin We'll tee that all up after the break right here on WTMJ Now.
0: It's time to talk about the topics that were big. That's what she said. Ha, I don't get it. It's time to talk about the topics that were hard. That's what she said. Or he said. It's time to talk about the topics that had us saying... That's what she said. It's time for... The...
5: That's what she said.
0: <laughs> no, it's time for That's What Steve Said. i just say it to lighten
1: the tension when
6: things sort of get hard.
1: Oh, yes. Thank you, Steve Kerr. (laughs) That makes me laugh every time. I heard it like a hundred times. Still laugh every time I hear that. Let's meet our lucky contestants today from Keele, Wisconsin. Sue. Hi, Sue. Hi. How are you? I'm doing good. All right. Tell me about Sue from Keele. It is Keele, right? Yes, it is Keele. Um, I'm on
6: my lunch break.
1: Is that okay?
6: It's great because I work <laughs> at a school, so I left it.
1: Well, thank you for that great work. Uh, tell us in 30 seconds or less about Sue from Keele.
6: Um, have three great kids, have a son in law who owns the Guinness Book of World Records in longest word made out of
1: Lego bricks. Wait a second, um, Sue. So, what is the, he? He has a Guinness World Record. He made what uh-huh. exactly?
6: Um, him and two other men down in, they live in Kenosha, made the word persevere um, out of 100,101 Legos back in June. You can look it up, and the word is persevere. <laughs> his name is Bryce Martin, and then there were two other, there was a doctor and another one of his friends. It took him three days, All right. um, about 10 hours a day.
1: All right, so here's what I'm going to do. Regardless if you win or lose, and, and I'm cheering for both of you. After the after we're done, stay on the line, uh-huh. both of you. I'll get to Chris here in a second. I want producer Isaac to get your is it you say your son-in-law, uh huh? His information. I want to talk to this Lego master, the holder of a Guinness Book of uh-huh. World Records. I want to talk to this guy. That's <laughs> amazing.
6: He is amazing, and the article was in the Kenosha paper, and it was displayed at the hospital. It's the second time he broke it. Um, he. There's a college out east that had the first record. So then he did one word by himself. I and then it. they rebroke the record. And then he said, Well, I'm going to do this. So the word is persevere.
1: All right. And that's a tremendous feat. All right. So, Chris, all the pressure's on you. you going to top that one? <laughs> Chris from Cedarburg? Yeah,
6: my husband. Yes.
1: There we I'm go. I'm here. Yes. Um, Tell us about Chris.
6: A um, I have two English bulldogs. We have no kids. What's
1: those bulldogs' and, names? Uh, Give me those names of those bulldogs.
6: Big Ava <laughs> and Miss Birdie.
1: <laughs> Very clever. And big Ava. Yeah.
6: Is a big Ava.
1: What are we so, talking? What are we talking weight wise? Fingers, what are we talking know? weight wise for one of those dogs? Over a hundred, right? Uh,
6: she's not supposed to be seventy five pounds. Mm. But she supposed is. to be. Yeah, and her sister is about forty-five,
1: fifty. All right, so that's a tiny one compared to the other one. All right, Sue and Chris, exactly. do you know the rules of that's what Steve said? Yes, I do. All right, and Sue? Was that Sue or Chris that just talked? Uh,
6: you just talked to
1: Chris. Okay, Sue, do you know the rules of, of that's what Steve said? is Sue with us still?
6: I don't know. I think Sue
1: flew the coop. I don't know. All right. Here's what I I'm, I'm going to start with you Chris and then hopefully hopefully Sue will get back on the line. Sue, if you're if you're listening, we can't hear you. So call back if you're if you're uh, having that problem. Um so I'm going to start with you Chris. There's there's five questions. Three possible okay. answers. Only one is correct. I give you all three and then you pick. So the first one has to do with Christmas, Chris. And uh, Sue call back otherwise Chris is going to win without even Having to get them right. All right, Chris. With Christmas only a few weeks away, the subject of Christmas trees came up on the show this week. I had my friend Martin Moore in studio Tuesday talking about it. We had a rousing discussion about how many Christmas trees I will have in my house. How many did I say? Chris from Cedarburg. Was it A5, B7, or C11? 11.
6: All
1: right. Chris says C. Sue is back. Hi, Sue. Hi. All right. Did you hear the question? Yes, I did. I said five. All right. So Sue says A. Chris says C's C. You guys are all around it. Here's what I actually said on question number one We have seven. You have seven trees in your house? Well, let's be honest. My wife has seven. I just live there. Are they like little mini ones or big ones? Like six, no, seven, they're eight, eight all foot trees? At least, at least five. Where do you? put them each room of the main you know we have three living rooms in the sure. house now, Couple so. in each bathroom no and- there's there's like two in one room I think actually the living room has three okay and then the family room has two okay. and the sunroom it's a lot of trees don't you think it's a lot of trees I, I do but my wife loves Christmas and a happy wife means a happy life we both we all know this all right neither one yeah, of absolutely. you guys got this one right the first question right so, Sue, you're first up on question number two. This one, this is the toughest, I think, of all five. Yesterday on the program, I talked about a United Nations request to the United States to lower our meat consumption. Meat. What did I say mm-hmm. about this and the subject of vegans? Three possible answers. Only one is correct. A, when meat offends you, <laughs> you don't want it anywhere around you. Vegetables don't offend me. B, You start coming from my ribeye steak, and we're going to have a serious conversation about that. Or C, of all the things to worry about, how much meat Americans consume would be about 100 on the list, maybe higher. Sue, what is the right answer? I say B. Sue says B. Chris? I agree with her, B. Mm, Here's what I actually said. I have friends who are vegans. I accommodate them when they're at my house. I ask the question... How often is that reciprocated? That's a fair question. I'll answer my own question. Probably not very often, because when meat offends you, you don't want it anywhere around you. Vegetables don't ah. offend me. All right. I, I, I'll put it this way. Uh-oh. Chris and Sue, you have a lot of work to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which moves us to question number three, and Chris is first up. So I was talking about this on Monday's program. I don't know if you guys watched the uh, the Turkey Day Thanksgiving Day game between the Lions and the Packers. But Fox failed, Chris, to have a turkey leg ready for the MVP of that game, Jordan Love. What did I say about that on Monday's show? A, you had fun with the tradition and then failed to do the tradition at the very game you are broadcasting on Fox. B, maybe it's time to retire the old turkey leg turducken thing. Or C, I don't know, maybe Aaron Andrews didn't want to touch a turkey leg. What's the right answer, Chris? I would say A. Chris says A. Sue, what do you say? I'm going to say B. All right. Chris will be much happier after this. Have fun with the tradition. Don't do the patch thing. Don't play the commercials. Don't do the interviews. All related to this tradition. And then fail to do the tradition at the very game that you are broadcasting. Chris, off to a one-zip lead. But, Sue, there's still time to catch up. And, Sue, you are (laughs) first on question number four. This one is a serious one talking about bullying. Three possible answers, only one is correct. I spent some time this week talking about that. What did I say about the connection between bullying and politics? Listen carefully. A, the weird thing about political bullies is they're almost always the weakest person in the room physically and intellectually. B, I go back and forth on this. Maybe we just need smarter bullies. Or C, there's a segment of our population that loves to bully. They get off on it. And for a lot of folks, Donald Trump is that bully. What is the right answer, Sue? C. Sue says C. Chris, what do you say? I agree, C. Oh, two smart ladies. Here it is. There's a segment of our population who loves the bully. Well, that's a social media bully, a bully in real life, bully in school. They love those people. They get off on it. And for a lot of folks in our country, Donald Trump is the bully. And for whatever lame reason they have rattling around in their brain, they like it. They respect it. The tough guy. It's the Wild West. All right. Chris, two... Sue, one question number 5, Chris is first up. Sue, you can still do it. Listen okay. carefully. Question number 5. I did a story about artificial intelligence on Tuesday and it's linked to publishing and journalism. What was my smart take? Three possible answers, only one is correct. A, it's going to happen, it's just a matter of when. B, I don't like it. I don't want it. But I would probably terminate that relationship if I found out I was buying something I was buying was produced by chatbots, or C, You know what might work? Artificial intelligence for politicians. That might be something I could buy into. Chris, what's the right answer?
3: Oh, I go C.
1: Chris says C. Sue? I'm going to go B. Sue says B. Let's hear it. I don't like it. I don't want it, especially when I'm paying for content. I pay for, I think, three publications online. But I would be angry, and I would probably terminate that relationship with those journalistic agencies if i found out that what i was buying was produced by chat bots or a computer all right ladies i am in a giving mood today you both did very well you got two right and i said they were easy but you know there were some tough ones in there so sue from keel and chris from cedarburg you are both going to win a wtmj prize package how about that merry christmas happy holidays (laughs) (laughs) i love the enthusiasm The best of holidays to you. Thanks for playing. That's what Steve said. Yes, you're welcome. Stay on the line. Producer Isaac will get all information. And Sue, don't forget to give us the information on your very talented son-in-law. I will. He'll be happy. All right. We'll take a break here. Lots more to get to. We'll do it after this on WTMJ Now.
0: It's WTMJ Now.
1: Hope you're having a great start to your Thursday. I am. I love Sue and Chris. They had a lot of energy. That's the best part of, of doing radio when you have people that are passionate about what they're listening to. And hopefully, I have passion on my side, and it all works out wonderfully well. And I'm feeling wonderful today. So, thanks to everybody for tuning in. I know there's a lot of choices out there, and everybody's busy, and people are working. But if finding the time to listen, I used to make this joke about listening to all three hours. I know that people can't do that. But, you know, with the, with the technology we have now, you actually can. Just go to WTMJ.com, find our show page, podcast, the whole thing. Interviews, we'll break it up for you. We'll put the whole thing together for you. You can find it on wherever your podcast sites are, YouTube, Apple, Spotify. You can literally search anything, Google, whatever, and find the show and the podcast. And I encourage you to go find some of the great interviews. And here's a tease for tomorrow, eleven oh eight. Brad Schimmel will join us on the program. How about that? Just a little bit of a tease for you. And don't forget the incredible, talented, smart, in touch, connected, Bill McCatchen and Joseph Pecky, who will join me in the 9 o'clock hour, little something we call political power hour, the best hour of political conversation in Wisconsin. I'm just going to say the whole state. Maybe beyond. Who knows? They'll join me tomorrow. Uh, all right. So... I was talking earlier about reality TV stars in context of running for president or higher office. If you know, if you listen to the show, I'm not a fan of reality TV stars. I don't like them. I'm not a fan, and I am certainly not a fan of anything that's on now, including this new one called The Golden Bachelor. Have you seen this thing? Some guy named Jerry Turner. He's supposed to be this charming retiree and... He's looking for a a, a new love. Uh, It was billed as he hasn't dated in 45 years. You know what that says to me? If that's true and it's not, loser. If he's a golden bachelor, wouldn't the first question be, why in the world have you dated for 45 years if you're a bachelor? I mean, I'm sure he had relationships, but, I mean, come on. So he he was billed as this retired restaurateur, hasn't dated, charming, Some fans, deluded fans, have fallen in love with Jerry Turner as the show has played out in its first season. The finale is actually tonight's, November 30th. It's an ABC show, by the way, Golden Bachelor. I would encourage you not to watch it, but, you know, for the folks who do, enjoy it. So, apparently, the one, the only Jerry Turner, not retired. Hmm. The Hollywood Reporter has investigated. He is not retired. In fact, he's, he's doing, like, fix-it work. He's had many positions since his selling of a business in 1985, which I think is what led to some of the illusion here. Uh, he's a working guy. He's been doing hot tub installation. Hmm. Maintenance work at a mental health center. Good for him to do that among some of his post-retirement jobs. Um, The other one, of course, is the the, uh, hasn't dated reveal. He's had multiple partners since his wife's passing. He actually began dating a month after his wife's passing and has been seeing a woman, her name's been kept out of this, identified as Carolyn, as I said, months after his wife's death. And I guess this isn't surprising or shocking to me that this would be the story. Here's my question. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it because I don't have a ton of time. I've said for a long time that reality, reality TV is, yeah, it can be entertaining. I remember the early days of Survivor. It was new, bold, never seen that kind of stuff before, and people acting like animals on a desert island or wherever they were. Yeah, interesting, for a moment. And then we've seen this explosion of awkwardness, weirdness, depravity, lying. Simple question. Is this stuff going to keep going? Are we going to still be having these reality TV shows? Why? Because in my opinion, my humble opinion, they're dumbing us down as a country and a culture. They're making us dumber. There's, And it's not everybody. Some people just watch for the laughs. And I get that. They're, they're popular. Some of these shows do very well. But there's also that segment that I worry about, you know, the fans of TikTok, the fans of, you know, celebrity housewives who try to emulate that bad behavior. I worry about those people. And I don't think the country <laughs> needs any more reality TV stars, especially ones who go against what the show says it is, which is real or reality. Jerry Turner is as phony as every other reality TV show. Fake bachelors, fake bachelorettes, dimwits, the dumbest among us, who apparently some of us, not me, are entertained by all of that. Why? If you have a thought, weigh in. After the break, I'll talk about that. And I also want to mention... The comeback story of the year, perhaps. We know him well. He played football in Wisconsin. Now he's playing football somewhere else on a practice field. Will he make the game day field? Is it the comeback of the year? We'll discuss along with the fakeness of reality TV after this on WTMJ
0: Now. More of WTMJ Now after this. WTMJ Now. Some of the textures think I'm
1: too hard on reality TV shows. It's escapism. It's not escapism when people are starting to emulate the bad behavior they witness and, and watch on these reality TV shows. Now, they're very popular. Some of them do very well in their ratings. Peter says, I think the ratings have exceeded those of all the other Bachelor and Bachelorette shows. So more like the Golden Bachelor coming. God, I hope not. Here's the shame of it. So he's exposed as a liar. And some of these women, it's not going to matter. They're still going to want to hook up with this guy. Reality TV texter says, Reality TV shows get great audiences for the same reasons Howard Stern has succeeded. Half the viewers tune in because they truly like the stars and live their mundane, question mark, lives vicariously through them, while the other half tunes in to see how outrageous is the drama and feel superior to the talent. I suppose there's a nugget of... Or nuggets of truth in that. Uh, someone says Laurie says he's not dated since after his wife's death in 2017. I don't know if that's true, Laurie. He's been accused of lying about his job, about his life. Uh, for the nine two zero, people watch that reality TV to escape. It's it's dumbing us all down. I think it is. I think we can be better, but I'm not confident that we will be. Let's just put it that way. And as I said earlier in the program, the reality part creeps. When it creeps into policy, judgments, character of elected officials, or candidates for office, whew, that's that's a scary thought. Someone said, thank goodness we don't have reality talk shows. Ooh, I can't tell if that's a compliment or a cut two six two so you can explain it to me. Um all right, so I want to mention this this story. Now full disclosure, I've on this program in the past, I've written love letters on the air to Aaron Rodgers. Big fan of Aaron Rodgers. Up until he lost his, you know what, in mind. Just got nutty. Crazy. Dark rooms, whatever that weird stuff he ingests in his body and The lack of medicine, like real medicine, fake medicine, whatever. Specialties. But I don't wish bad on anybody. And and he was traded to the New York Jets. And on, I think, his fourth play on the field of this season, tears his Achilles. Now, as I said, I'm not delusional and I'm not naive. Aaron Rodgers is a tremendously talented quarterback in the NFL. Torn Achilles or not. And he has shown a remarkable ability to come back from serious injuries, broken collarbones and the like, torn muscles, thumb issues, I think it was last year or the year before, and come back brilliantly. Four-time MVP, which is rarefied air. Only Peyton Manning, I think, has five. So as good as it gets. And I know a lot of people have written off Aaron Rodgers because he's now traded to another team. But, you know, full disclosure, I would have watched the Jets games when, when available and when I could to see what Aaron Rodgers did. Because I don't hate Aaron Rodgers. I just think he's a little bit nutty. But you got to admit, on a certain level of comeback, I mean, just doing something that's never been done before, I'm not sure, and I tried to look it up during the break, that anyone's torn their Achilles during a season and then come back and played in that season. Now he hasn't played yet. He's activated off injured reserve and is now eligible to practice with the team. Now, now the The Jets are not a good football team. They are under five hundred, they have a serious chance of not making the playoffs. I don't think they made the playoffs last year. And he was he was the answer. He was the savior for that team. They made a couple of bad decisions. One was one, not knowing he's going to tear his Achilles, which he couldn't know, and two hiring a lot of his former teammates who are Let's be honest, past their prime. So, I I will cheer for Aaron Rodgers at this level. If he can come back from a torn Achilles the first time he played four plays in and play in the same season, that's remarkable. All the other nutty stuff, his thoughts about medicine and COVID and that, I don't care. I'm not shopping at the uh, the pharmacy of Aaron Rodgers nor am I taking advice from Aaron Rodgers on science and or medicine. But when he's on a football field, he's pretty damn good. So his story is one that is amazing to me. And if I'm going to cheer for something, it's somebody that can actually overcome a serious injury and actually come back in the same season. So I will not be be jeering Aaron Rodgers. I'll be cheering him. Now, he hasn't done it yet, as I said. We'll we'll see what happens. He's got, I think, three weeks to figure it out. There's also a, a logic question here, common sense question. If your team's out of the playoffs, what are you trying to do? But I actually think he doesn't care about that. He wants to show people that his way of doing things, his relationship with science or lack thereof, is the right way. And I think he's on a mission to show people something that's never happened before, at least in my knowledge. That you can come back for a serious injury like this. From the ninth row, they'd be idiots to put him in. Nothing good can come up. They have no offensive line and not going anywhere. I don't think it's about that. I think about it's about his desire to prove something on a lot of different levels. Not even just about football. Just the way he approaches life. And even Aaron Rodgers, who's, who for a time was maybe the most important. And popular person in Wisconsin, let's say 2010, 2011, maybe he wants to capture some of that back and, and shatter the opinions that a lot of people have now that, hmm, he's a little crazy. I wouldn't put anything past him. I wouldn't be surprised either way. Uh, 262 says his first pass will be interception. I don't know. We'll find out. Um, Diane says it's because he didn't tear his Achilles fully. He's trying to pass this off as a superhero moment. He isn't that remarkable. He's a bs'er. We're going to find out about the Aaron Rodgers story, because I know this. There's a lot of good sports journalists now. If there's a conspiracy to be found, they'll find it. One more break on the uh, big show. Then after that, we'll chat a bit, and then we'll see what Wagner's going to talk about a little bit later this half hour. All coming up in the last... Oh, 15 minutes of the big show right here on WTMJ. Tell me lies, tell me sweet
3: little lies.
1: Every day I have a show, Paul. I didn't really get to it today, but I want to just tee it up because it's going to be a, con- a conversation story maybe tomorrow, but probably Monday. And it has to do with as whenever we get to the end of the year, we always do these like end of the year reviews and, and just to tease a couple hours, special hours that I'm doing in advance now. I'm doing it now for the, the uh, Christmas to New Year's break. I'm doing uh, the best of my interviews throughout the year. Uh, you'll hear some Carol Kane, some Sandy Max, myself, some of our great guests, Gary Sinise, Kyle Troop. If you don't know who that is. is He's a professional bowler, fun guy, but the big afro most of the time. Didn't have it when we saw him. And a few other folks, and then I'm going to do an hour of holiday cooking. I, I we just recorded this with Chef Michael Fecker. It is must-listen to radio. We're going to play it a bunch of times during the holidays, some great holiday ideas, appetizers, main courses, themes, cooking tips, I mean, even some recipes, and we're going to link all of that to our website and his. So they'll, they'll, be, be, they'll be played, these special hours, throughout the holidays. So um, stay tuned for um, and to our website, and it'll tell you and point you in the right direction. But fantastic fun putting them together. And... Uh, once they're put together, we'll air those through the Christmas to New Year's break on WTN. It's kind of the days I'm off, and, and the shows uh, in holiday mode. Uh, so, my show poll today has to do with sort of the end of the year feeling that we have, and I asked a simple question that I'm gonna I'm gonna answer, like I said, either tomorrow or Monday. But I asked you for your your inputs on the biggest news story in your mind right now, and I gave you a couple possible three possible answers. The Israel-Hamas war, right now, with about 100 more than 150 votes, 53% of you say that's the story. This one I threw in there because I just did a story earlier where 96% of the population in our country is worried about the economy. So I, I gave you a choice: the economy, stupid. That's at 27%. And the other one that I think this is right on as far as our respondents to the poll: the Trump trials, Biden hearings, whatever those will be. How does that register on your mind as one of the biggest news stories? Only 8% of you think that's worthy of mentioning. A couple comments, Packer playoffs. Playoffs, we'll see if that happens. Um, The Jackson Cheerio story with the Milwaukee Brewers. Biggest contract ever for a a new player. That's pretty cool. Brewers again. Um, So think about that. We may get to it tomorrow, may do it Monday. But what the biggest story of... 2023 is as we had to 2024. Certainly politics is part of that equation. So we'll explore that and get your thoughts in a longer segment at some point in the next few shows. All right. After the break, we'll see what Mr. Jeff Wagner is going to discuss today. That's all coming up next.